Thank you for listening to the preaching ministry of Oxford Baptist Church. We pray you'll be blessed as you apply these truths to your life. Well, good morning, church. I'm so glad to be with you this morning. Beautiful day yesterday and even a more beautiful day today. I want you to turn with you in your Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter 20, and we're going to begin reading with verse 29. Matthew chapter 20, verses 29 through 34. I've simply entitled this message, Love is Something You Do. Some years ago, Dr. John Bassanio, pastor of this uh, Baptist church in San Antonio, Texas, wrote a book entitled, Love is Something You Do. Not just words, but something you do. Let's stand together. And read God's Word. Matthew 20, beginning with verse 29. And as they went out of Jericho, a great crowd followed him. And behold, there were two blind men sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. And the crowd rebuked them, telling them to be silent. But they cried out all the more, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David, and stop it. Jesus called them and said, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Lord, let our eyes be opened. And Jesus in pity touched their eyes and immediately They recovered their sight and followed Him. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank You for Your love to us in Christ. And thank You for the Jesus touch. Thank You, God, for sending Your Son and our Savior into this world to die for us and to raise His life in newness. God, thank You for Him touching our lives. And I pray this morning, Heavenly Father, if there's someone here who is yet to be touched by your Son and our Savior. I pray, God, that they'll open up their heart, their spirit, and I pray, God, that you will draw them to Jesus Christ. In his name I pray. Amen. Some years ago, I had gone through quite a traumatic week, and many of you can identify with this. And uh, when the invitation was given, I was standing down to receive people, and uh, this lady in our church who... Uh, led our prayer group, uh, she recognized in my message that I had a troubled spirit. And so she came down and hugged me and prayed for me. And that week, I got a little letter from her in the mail, and it said something like this. Uh, My heart uh, felt your heart recently when I came down. I knew that you were troubled. There was just something about her touch And when she hugged me, that she could actually feel my pain. And you know that there's something different between sympathy and empathy. Sympathy is feeling for someone. Empathy is feeling with someone. Two prepositions, but miles apart in reality. Folks, making a difference in relationship is directly related to your ability to become other-oriented in your thinking. Now, this is one of the most difficult things for us to practice on a consistent basis. 
That means to become other-oriented in our thinking. In other words, to be more concerned about someone than number one. Becoming other-oriented in your thinking. Uh, I challenge you this morning to begin to think like that. Is there someone around you that you know personally, could be a family member, that needs a touch from you? And because of selfishness, we have absolutely not made ourselves vulnerable. So we really need to understand that in order to be like Jesus, we've got to be other-oriented in our thinking. We're going to learn a message this morning from the Master Teacher, Jesus Christ Himself. And I pray that all of us can apply it to our hearts. Individuals need personal attention. Have you ever read anywhere in the Bible where Jesus said, I love you? You you can't find it. But you know what? He is the epitome of love, isn't He? How did Jesus share His love? He shared it personally. He shared it through his personal involvement and personal touch. I believe that we're living in a politically correct age in our country, and I think somehow it's filtered over into the church as well. Uh, And in being politically correct, we have forgot to touch people. You know, it's hard nowadays because of so many restrictions to be a, a touching people. Uh, But it's so necessary. John Nesbitt, in his book, Megatrends, it was published years ago, and I read it, and then I reread it. John Nesbitt said that when this technology is uh, pervasive in our age, high tech is going to demand high touch. And if the church does not become a body of high touch, it'll be somewhere else. And surely enough, not long after that is when happy hours popped up all over our nation and uh, touch began to be made in uh, bars. You see, now, we've got to understand that we're living in an age where people who are at work, most of them now, are working uh, in a little cubicle, looking at a screen all day long. I remember before my father passed away, my brother was, uh, uh, well, he was pretty high up with the uh, AT&T. It was Ma Bell at one time, and they merged. And they were downtown in that large building. And my father said, I want to go see where Danny works. And I took him up there, and Danny was waiting for us and ushered us up to his beautiful office uh, overlooking the skyline of Atlanta. It was really something. And his office was so clean, had a big computer over here, a couple of screens, and he had a data group that he was in charge of. And we just looked around, and and Daddy was just uh, amazed. And we got back in the car to leave, and as we drove out of that building's parking lot, my father said this to me, I'm kind of worried about your brother. I said, why, Dad? He said, when you looked around, there's just nothing in there for him to do. He said, uh, I, I, I think he's on the way out. And I said, Dad, he works on the computer. He said, it's impossible to do that all day long, isn't it? I said, no, that's his job. Uh, but folks, let me tell you something. We're living in a society today where people really need to know that we care about them. We need to be people who are willing to go the second mile. We need to touch those people 
around us. Now, just think about these blind men. Uh, Jesus was passing by, and they cried out. Oh, they knew about Christ. They'd heard about Him. And as He came by, they shouted, Oh, uh, Son of David, have mercy on us. You know, have mercy on us. And you know what the Bible said? And Jesus stood still. Jesus stopped. I'm going to tell you something. In your life, if Jesus has ever stopped for you and touched you, you'll never be the same. Amen? One of the greatest theologians in history, Karl Barth, said this. If you've ever heard the voice of God and you've ever had a touch from His Son, you will never be the same. And he said, i got something else I want to add to that. If those realities have taken place in your life, that one time is enough. You'll never need it again. But we like to be in touch with the Lord. Amen? Now, we all have problems, and we know people around us uh, are challenged and have problems as well. I remember reading about Charlie Brown. Schultz was just very insightful. Charlie Brown was in the thinker position, Rodin's thinker. Uh, Sally came along and said, Charlie Brown, what are you thinking about? And Charlie Brown said, I love the human race. And in the very next frame, Charlie Brown said, but I have trouble with people. You know, and that's true, isn't it? We, we, it's very true. And so I want to caution you. Uh, there are people that are difficult to touch. They are very challenging. But most of us really need a touch. Amen? Beloved, uh, when we pray for someone that is important, and we do it in this church frequently, we have a prayer line, uh, we have prayer meeting, and we actually pray for people in this church and, uh, and our extended family. But I want to tell you something. Visiting and touching that person is better than praying for them. And you say, wait a minute now, pray. Wait a minute. Uh, they need a touch. This morning a lady came to me and said, Brother Ronnie, I love your messages. I just love that you're here. And I, I said, uh, how much do I owe you? And she said, I came to tell you that I'm not going to be able to stay for the message. I wanted to come to Sunday school, and I wanted to be with my Sunday school group. But I have a dear friend that's in intensive care, and she is critically, critically ill. I said, go. You have my blessings. You know, touching someone is so important. Do you know someone that needs a touch? Do you? Do you really? Individuals need a listening caregiver. You know, when you sang that song, Be Still, that is so hard for us. You know, James even says it in the, in the New Testament. James, he said, be slow to speak and quick to hear. Uh, we kind of got that in reverse, haven't we? Uh, it's hard for us to be still and know that He is God. Uh, we have to understand in our time and the way we live... It moves so rapidly and so fastly. We do need to be still. And we do need to listen to the voice of God. And we do need to make sure that we care about people enough to not just talk about them and pray about them, but we are willing to touch them. Beloved, our priorities will reveal 
just exactly how we're going to live our life. It's so important to be a listening person and a caregiving person. Now, Tony Campolo, have you ever heard of him? Uh, he wrote a book that the kingdom of God is like a party. And if you've never read that book, now some things about Tony I agree with and some things I disagree with theologically, but he's a great guy, a great writer. You need to read Tony Campolo's uh, The Kingdom of God is Like a Party. Uh, he was in Hawaii speaking and couldn't sleep, got up in the middle of the night, and he uh, just absolutely uh, wanted to walk around. So he walked out and he asked the concierge, you know, he said, oh, it's safe, you can go down there. Well, anyway, he found a little coffee shop that was open in the middle of the night. And he didn't know this, but uh, sometimes in the middle of the night, that's where the ladies of the evening kind of gather. And so he went to that place, and they started coming in and coming in and talking and sharing. And, and he overheard a conversation. There was one girl in there, a beautiful child, and she was crying. Her birthday was coming up. And she'd never had a birthday party in her life. And he was just sitting there listening, not making any conversation with those around him. And so they kind of filtered out and left. And the lady that ran that little coffee shop and her husband were there. And he said, let's give her a party. And then she said, what? He said, let's just, will they be back, they'll be back tomorrow. Let's give her a party. And he said, I'll pay for it. And they started talking about who was going to do what and how they were going to buy the supplies and who would get the cake and all that kind of stuff. And so let me tell you something. The next night when they came in, they had that place all decorated, and they gave that girl a party. It was glorious. And she cried, and she cried, and she was so happy. And then Tony got to share a little bit about the Lord with them and plant those seeds and he tells us that it is so important to care for people and to touch people. You know, sometimes if we're not careful, we'll be exclusive. Uh, there are just some things that we don't want to do. When I was pastor in South Georgia, I went into a pool room. Uh, yes, B.C., I shot pool. Have you ever shot any pool? There ain't nothing wrong with it now, really, if you don't drink beer and smoke cigarettes, you know. And so, anyway, I went into the pool room. Everybody was standing around the pool room. And uh, I just walked in, and they didn't know me. I'd never been there. And I said, can I have y'all's attention, please? And everybody just stopped and looked at me. Huh? Huh? I said, "Uh, I want y'all to pick out the best pool player you got in this place. And I said, I'm going to whoop him bad. And they just all pointed to this one man. And he came over and he said, okay, what's your game? I said, nine ball. And he said, uh, okay, we, you want to roll for the break? I said, yeah. Well, he beat me bad on roll for the break. And he broke. I never got a shot. I didn't know that he was the Southeastern champion. And then everybody was just laughing. You, you wouldn't believe all the people around watching that pool game. And uh, when he ran the table, I just started dying laughing. I said, Wow, you're some kind of poo shark. And he just laughed and he said, yeah, those trophies over there are mine. And then I told him who I was and why I was there. I said, I just come to tell you all that God loves you. I said, you know, I, 
I've been visiting every business in this area, and I said, I just bypassed yours, and today I got a little conviction, and I came in. And I just wanted to share with you that God loves you. And I said, I'm fixing to leave, and is there anybody here got a prayer request? And you wouldn't believe those guys that they're raising their hand wanting me to pray for them. And the owner came out and said, I've, I, I've got a severe problem. And uh, it, it had to do with cancer. And he said, I, I need your prayers. And so I just said, let's hold hands, man. We just stood there and prayed. You know, that guy's become one of my best friends. Uh, we still communicate. His brother now runs the pool room, and he started a, a restaurant there in that area. And every time we go down there, I eat in that restaurant at least once. I'm going to tell you something. People everywhere need a touch. They need to know that we care about them. Amen? I did tell them this. I said, when well, you're reading the Bible, Jesus ate with sinners. I said, I came in to play pool with some. And I said, I am one myself. Uh, we just had a great time. But I do encourage you to read Tony Campalo's book. You will enjoy that a whole lot. Now, listen to this. Uh, the song that was sung uh, and the scripture that was read all goes together. Uh, Steve looked at this and he took it all out of my message. And I think it all correlates and it's wonderful. When we talk about the lost sheep, and we talk about the lost son, and the lost coin, all three of those, I, I, I was remembering sermons that I preached on that through the years. I preached on the lost sheep, leaving the 99 and going after the one. I preached on uh, the lost coin, and the woman was sweeping frantically trying to find her lost coin. And then the prodigal son comes home. And I got to thinking, okay, Father, help me to understand the very theses of each one of these. And I began to look at it, and I began to pray about it. And you know what God told me? He said, it's very obvious, and you overlooked it. I said, yes, I probably have. In my studies, as I was looking at I was trying to just go back, and the lost son, the one that remained home, represents this and that and this. And he said, oh, all that can be true, but in my study, I found out something that was so simple. Did you know what? It, the emphasis is really on the one. Jesus is concerned about the one. Everyone. Every sheep that goes astray. Every person that's burdened. And that lost son, of course, he's worried about him as well. He's concerned. And so the emphasis is on the one. Christ is tuned in to our deepest needs. He hears that sheep which is lost, the one woman who needs her money, the one son who's lost his way. Jesus is concerned about everyone. Don't ever forget that. He knows us intimately. He knows us in and out. The Bible says He even knows our thoughts and the intents of our heart. That's kind of uh, challenging, isn't it? He loves you. He loves me. God so loved the world that He gave. Man, when, when the Bible says God loves you, He don't ever have to tell you that but one time. Because His love is not temporal. His love is eternal. And in His Son, Jesus Christ, we have the love of God 
personally. He touched me. Has He touched you? Individuals need to know uh, and have an individual touch. Jesus had compassion on them. And you know what was so beautiful about that? He knew what they needed, but He asked them, what do you want me to do? And they, they wanted to have their sight restored. And the Bible says, Jesus just touched them. He just touched them. And guess what? Boom! Immediately their sight was restored and said they followed Him. Do you remember in Matthew 8 when Jesus touched the man with leprosy? Uh, There's a whole different message on that. But let let me just tell you, the first chapters of Matthew all the way up to Matthew chapter 7 is the words of Christ. Chapter 8 and following are the works of Christ. You know, there's a time to talk, but there's a time to walk. Amen? There's a time to teach. There's a time to touch. There's a time to be theological, and there's a time to be practical. When the leper came up to Jesus, uh, can you imagine the thoughts that went through his mind? Because back in that period of history, a leper could not even approach People. They had a leper's path that had to walk down uh, beside the road. And they had to turn their heads away and, and cry leprosy three times. But this man was so in need, he just walked right up to Jesus. A leper. And uh, Jesus did what? What did he do? He touched him. And immediately... He was healed. I get to thinking about how lonely that man was in that physical and health dilemma. I get to thinking about, oh gosh, Lord God, you know, uh, perhaps he had a wife and a family and perhaps he never uh, touched his children and, and he couldn't caress his beautiful wife that he loved so much. I get to thinking about that man and I, I know there's not too much said about him other than he had leprosy. But just think about him. That was so lonely. He needed a touch. Jesus touched him. Made him whole. Jesus' compassion moved him from sympathy to empathy. Have you ever been touched? Have you ever had that kind of touch? Has someone come and touched you? Like that lady just came and touched me. When I hugged you, I could feel your pain. I I called her after I got that little note, and I said, thank you for that, because you're exactly right. I I was hurting. Thank you for your prayer. On Easter Sunday morning, 1967, is when Jesus touched me, when the Spirit of God came into my life and forgave me of my sins and changed me. Man, there's just nothing like the Jesus touch. And then I want to tell you, Jesus has sent us out in the world to be His ambassadors. We're to introduce people to Him. And the best way to do that is really have not just care in our heart, but to have an empathy with those people with whom we come in contact and touch them with the sincerity and the authenticity that comes from the love of God through Jesus Christ our Lord. There's just nothing like it. There's just nothing like it. Uh, We had a minister of music. You might remember some years ago, 
in the 70s. Uh, uh, he had cancer and had to have his eye removed and had to do reconstructive surgery. Bill Water, W-A-R-D-E-R, at Central Baptist Church in Warner Robins. And God blessed him. Uh, he was just absolutely one of the finest men I've ever known. We had a Korean choir uh, because of the Air Force base being there. And uh, as a matter of fact, the whole time I was there, we, we kept winning people to Christ from all over the world. And we had so many from Korea, uh, we had a whole choir of Koreans. Korean women, Korean women's choir. We had one woman who came forward and uh, I asked her her name when I met her. And she said, my name is Seven. I said, your name is Seven? She said, yes. I said, uh, why did your father name you Seven? She said, because one, two, three, four, five, and six are my brothers and sisters. I'm Seven. And so I smiled and we laughed. And I got to know Seven. And Seven... Uh, met a service man. He, she was one of the ladies of the evening. And uh, he married her and brought her back to the United States of America. And then after arriving here, uh, he was very uh, difficult to live with, and he just left her. And there she was, left alone in that big area. And so we found her, and we loved her, and we touched her. And she was an on-fire Christian woman. Her life was changed radically by the Lord. She sang in the choir. She was just absolutely wonderful. So one day she came to my office unannounced. My secretary said, Brother Ronnie Seven is here. And I said, well, send her in. She came in and I said, why did you come? She said, Brother Ronnie, she said, I am so happy in the Lord and I love this church so much. She says, I want to give my testimony. And I thought, oh, my. And I've been taught that what people need is not your experience with Christ. They need the Christ of your experience. And so I began to wonder, oh, what is Seven going to say? So I said, Seven, what kind of testimony would you share with us? And she told me. And it brought tears to my eyes, and it was very appropriate. And uh, she came down that Sunday morning. And before I dismiss the people, I said, Seven has something that she would like to share with the church. And I was, I was standing there with my arm on her shoulder, and I handed her the mic. And as she began to share her heart with those people and tell them how much they meant to her and how many people had touched her and changed her life, there was not a dry eye in the church. And then she turned to Bill Water, one of the finest men I've ever known. And she said, when he came to visit me with one of the ladies in the choir, and she, we had prayer, she said, he hugged me. And she said, it was a godly hug. And I knew the Spirit of God was in him because it was a different hug than I had ever received before in my life. And she said, Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters in Christ, I love this church. I love you. Let me tell you something. This is, I know, in conclusion, but, and it's very simple. When we fall back in love with each other, 
You know, there may be people here that hadn't had a godly hug, and you may be a, a good word in from Georgia is cattywampus. Does that register with you? My grandmother used to say things like that. Well, they're just cattywampus with one another. And then I, I got to thinking as a little boy, what in the world is cattywampus? And my mother said that means that you're having tension or you're upset with each other or you're different. And, and I, I begin to understand it. So I, I just want to say something to you very plainly, openly, and honestly. There is no reason on God's earth for you to be cattywampus with anybody in this church. There's no reason under God for you to be cattywampus with your family or anybody you work with or anyone else. When you are, uh, you really need a God touch. You really need a touch from Jesus. Amen? Listen, when we touch like God would have us to touch each other, thank you for being such a wonderful person to me. I tell the girls and everybody, thank you for singing so beautifully, and thank you for playing so beautifully. It's just in your chromosomes. You know, you have touched our hearts this morning with such beautiful, beautiful music. You have made coming to church this morning so pleasant to our spirit. Thank you. Thank you. I love Jason hitting that. When he goes, boom, uh, it, just, it just vibrates in your heart and in your spirit. And when I walk around on Sunday morning and I hear all the people teaching, and forgive me because I just stick my head in. And last Sunday, one of the classes was so big, I stuck my head in this door and I went around and opened up the other door and the class has two doors. And I told them, I said, I think I've got Alzheimer's. But anyway, when you're able to just touch each other and to feel with each other and to experience Ah, it's just, it's just wonderful to experience the very power that love brings. And when you do that, whew, listen, and we fall back in love with Jesus, we'll be magnetic for the Master. You know what? People will come because they say, you know what? Those people down there at Oxford Baptist Church, I don't know what's happened to them, but there's a love there that you can feel when you park on the parking lot. There's a love there when you come to Sunday school. There's a love there in church. There's a love there in prayer meeting. There's just a love in that church. They care. When we become like that, and we make a commitment to touch with the heart of Christ, we become magnetic for the Master. People look at you and say, Wow, are you a Christian? I need, I need to talk to you. It's just something that you can't explain when Jesus touches your heart. And you determine in your spirit to touch like Jesus touched you. Isn't that something? Perhaps you might be the one this morning... Perhaps he's stopped dead still this morning and he's looking at your spirit and your heart. Maybe you're the one that needs a Jesus touch. Well, I can assure you, if you cry out, 
He'll touch you. And He'll change you. Amen? Amen? Let's pray together. Father God, thank You for loving us. Thank You for sharing with us from Your Word just how wonderful and loving You really are. Not just in theory, but in real life. And God, I pray that You could help us to move from, from knowledge to understanding to real practical living. Help us, God, to bless You by blessing others. May the Jesus touch be something we never, ever forget. God, this morning there may be someone here this morning and You've touched them because they cried out. Let them know how much You love them, God. And whatever it is that they have need of in their life, You can supply it. Thank You for being so wonderful. In Jesus' name, Amen. We pray God will use this message for His glory in your life. If you would like more information, please feel free to contact us at info at OxfordBaptistChurch.com. Oxford Baptist Church is located in Oxford, Georgia. If you're close, we'd love to meet you.